0: get back to this wonderful chapter hebrews chapter number 11 if you need an outline brother doug's coming down the middle aisle and he has one for you if you'd like to follow along sure would like for you to and uh, have a very simple outline tonight uh, very basic in some different ways and uh, so we jump into the remainder of the rest of this chapter powerful chapter we've gone through first few verses and uh, as at the end of chapter 10 the Holy Spirit has kind of brought everything to a headway and uh, just living by faith and things like that and so if you need an outline get brother Doug's attention he'll he'll make it there eventually he'll find you don't worry and uh, uh, you just kind of wave him down he'll get to you but uh, brought to a good thing we, at, we we asked these two questions as we got into verse 1 and verse 2 uh, really I think this is what the author of Hebrews is answering well at this point, why is faith such a big deal? And we looked through those things, and we're not going to uh, review those. The second question was simply this, what exactly is faith? And we jumped into verse 1 particularly, and it's describing for us, you know, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so we saw that letter A and letter B likewise. And then we jumped down to verse number 2 and talking about that witness. And as it's described here, the elders obtained a good report by faith. And then we jumped into verse number three, last time we gathered together. and Look at verse number three, let's just remind ourselves, it says this, through faith, and so here's an application of such faith, of uh, described faith, in verses one and two. He says, through faith, and here you and I are part of this, and I love it, as I mentioned last time, I love the fact that you and I, in this hall of faith, you and I are mentioned here. At the beginning, we are uh, in, uh, included in this statement. We understand that the wor- worlds were framed by the Word of God. So the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. And so we went through all that, and we just described it this way. We saw faith in action concerning the past. Now, here's a tangible um, application of faith as we look at the world around us, and we say, oh, God made this by His spoken word. And We went through a long scientific look at it and some things. We understood how mankind looks at it and describes it. We came to kind of some basic statements here to finish up. And it was just simply this. The world at large, especially scientists and philosophers, are looking at rudimentary aspects of matter which appear now to explain the origins of all things that are seen. That's very fallible um, action on their part. In fact, this verse reveals that issue, that problem. It shows, and that statement there, (laughs) so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So they're looking at things that appear now, and they're trying to describe the things that are seen and say, okay, this is how they came to be. And yet, that is not how they came to be, and you can't do that. And so that's what, ha, why they have been frustrated since the beginning of man's history. Man attempts to reason back, use logic, from the ingredients of life we see today to the origin or creation of the universe we see all around us. The problem is that the universe was not created for matter we see today. It was created... From nothing by the spoken word of God, we looked at Genesis chapter one. The terminology you "create" there um, in, in Genesis one and other passages speak that, uh, to the fact that He created out of nothing; it was spoken into existence. So, we came to the conclusion that all must choose whether to put one's faith in human speculation or put one's faith in divine revelation. Human speculation or divine revelation, and that divine revelation coming from a God who cannot lie, a God who is always faithful, a God who has never failed to keep his word. And so we said the bottom line as we finished up the study on verse number three, the bottom line is this, the origin of the universe is beyond the realm of scientific investigation. You can't observe it, you can't repeat it, therefore it is beyond scientific evaluation to that degree, okay? But it is not beyond knowing, because how can we know it? All we have to do is trust God's word. Trust what it said in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Through faith and trust, we accept what God has said. It can only be apprehended by faith. So faith is truly the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And it's this kind of spiritual faith that God says in all things is how we ought to live. So now for our encouragement, our exhortation for a spiritual boost, uh, if you might put it that way, here in Hebrews 11, God gives us a long a exemplary list of our fellow believers who lived out this faith that same kind of faith that's described in those first few verses they lived it out it's as if the holy spirit is inviting you and i as we read hebrews 11 to to come be a part of this long uh, historic heritage of those who've remained faithful to god through living by faith and therefore you and i are called to do the same in our lives and i like this chapter in what it does it spans the entirety of man's history Especially the Old Testament, yes, but in those last few verses when it talks about some nameless folks, no doubt that takes us all the way up into the time that Hebrews was written. So we see here that he starts all the way back, and I think this is neat, he starts all the way back at the beginning. In fact, the first few verses we go back to Genesis chapter 4, 5, and 6. He he takes us back there to look, say, listen, at the beginning of the creation of mankind, the history of mankind, the faith was still in operation there. Faith was still taking place. And that always strikes me because there are those who believe that God operates differently during different dispensations. In other words, that his currency is different in each of those. But it's passages like Hebrews 11 here that show salvation is always by faith in God's provided way alone. It's always by faith. And I think Hebrews chapter 11 is a great point or great proof passage of that reality. He takes us all the way back to the beginning of mankind. He takes us all the way through all the times of the Old Testament and even certainly up to through the writing of the Hebrews and some of those nameless folks there at the end. And so uh, we see it's faith in God's provision that leads to righteousness, even as this first verse that we'll consider tonight states. Look at verse number 4, if you will, with me. Verse number 4 of Hebrews chapter 11, we jump in. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he, being dead, yet speaketh. I like how several different authors have kind of characterized the first three guys. We have mentioned Hebrews, so we'll we'll do similar, a little deviation. But number one, we'll say this, Abel displayed a worshiping faith. Abel displayed a worshiping faith. I find it always kind of, I don't want to say comical, but interesting at the very least that We don't get very far into the history of mankind, and already in Genesis chapter 4, there's a scandalous story, isn't there? There's tabloid-worthy events taking place. There's drama taking place. And the longer I live, the more I realize that wherever humans are, there's drama. Amen. And so we find that in Genesis, and so I want you to turn there, keep your spot here, but let's go find, read a little bit about the story that's mentioned here in Hebrews chapter 11 and in verse number 4. Look at Genesis chapter 4, we'll just read the first four verses that pertain to this story. Coming off the, the creation of mankind, we're coming off, off the fall of man, Adam and Eve there, and um, look at verse 1, and Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived. And bare Cain, and said, "I have gotten a man from the Lord." And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. So we're reminded the first two children here of Adam and Eve. uh, the Bible records for us here as uh, Cain and Abel. Cain, he he grows up. They both grow up. Cain becomes a tiller of the ground. That description there. He's a produce farmer. He's a gardener. He's a someone who works the ground. He brings forth the fruit, the harvest, and and that's what he does. His younger brother grows up, and, and he goes a different direction in life. He takes a different path. He he becomes a herder, a a shepherd, a a livestock farmer if you want to describe him as such and uh, particularly verse 2 speaks of sheep and also references verse 4 his flock so they've gone these two different directions they've grown up they began to establish themselves in these occupations we might say this is who they are this is what they do and and uh, though they are brothers now several conclusions are to be found in the passage and sometimes uh, we're just going to use some deductive reasoning shall we And we're going to deduce some things that are explicit and very clear within the passage. So let's do that. First of all, what we understand by reading the passage is this truth. Letter A, Adam and Eve had taught them, speaking of Cain and Abel, to worship God. And one of the avenues in which to do so was to make an offering unto God. That's pretty crystal clear in the passage. There has been some teaching. There's been some instruction. There's been some passing on to the next generation by Adam and Eve this reality I like what it describes. It says, in the process of time. You know, kind of like when it's, it, it's appropriate to do so. Ever so often, we might say in our common vernacular, they brought an offering. And it says, to the Lord, to Jehovah, Lord's in all caps there. And so, describing Jehovah, uh, the God of all creation, the God of the universe, they, they bring an offering. In fact, it also then tells us it's a routine. It's something that this family was accustomed to. Many of you came tonight because that's your routine, right? Yeah, you've gotten into the custom, the practice of coming to church on Wednesday night. You do it on Sunday. It's a custom of coming and worshiping God. It's a routine that you've gotten into and you're training your children in. And Adam and Eve obviously did the same thing. When it came to offering offerings to God, to worshiping Him in this avenue, this way, they taught them to do that. It was encouraged by their parents, and I would say it was likely spelled out by God somewhere along the way. God spoke to them and encouraged them to do this, instructed them in it, however you want to put it. And yet, let's understand this. When it comes to worship and offering, being a part of worship, it really is a universal and very much a continual truth that throws flows throughout the entirety of God's interaction with man as witness within the Scripture. It's kind of interesting. It starts back here. And, and if you just wanted to argue backwards from everything we see in Scripture, uh, even the verse we memorized here in November talks about offering praise and offering the, the, the sacrifice of Thanksgiving, right? It, it continues, Romans chapter 1, that ye what? Present your Body's a living sacrifice an offering, and, and all throughout that we are told, and, and uh, there's many different terminologies for it, but all throughout the scriptures, you know what's identified, connected? Worship with offering. Worship with offering. We do it as we pass the offering plate hence the term right and that we give financially to god we we give of our treasures we give of our uh, possessions as even they did here so this is a common theme or practice principle that flows throughout the entirety of the scripture so it, it's easy to understand it's easy to deduce oh they understood their mom and dad had taught them part of worship is given an offering to god you know, some of you, you have children. You give them offering and going to Sunday school uh, here in the auditorium. You give them money to put in the offering plate, or whatever the case may be. You may teach them how to serve God through offering their time and so forth, and we pass that on to generations to come. Adam and Eve apparently did so. Uh, it is apparent that this was a routine, this was something that they as a family did, and so now Cain and Abel are bringing their offerings to God, and I think that certainly says well of Adam and Eve in uh, this situation, in the story. Now secondly though, notice, there's something else we can deduce, Adam and Eve seemingly taught them the one and only right way to approach God in worship. They seem to have taught them that there was a appropriate, a right, a correct way to approach God in worship. That is crucial, right? Because in other words, they're teaching them the truth. They're ensuring that Cain and Abel have heard the truth. They're exposed to the truth and understanding that there's a right way. It would have been something that God had revealed to Adam for him to know, for him to pass on to his children, the descendants in the future. This was the true way of faith, right? Right? The right way to approach God. God had already taught this. We have the lesson actually for us in the Scripture. And so it's not hard to, to, to make the logical leap. The, it's not even a leap, really. The, the logical next step of saying, okay, God showed it. He demonstrated it to Adam and Eve. And therefore, He taught it. And now we see that it's passed on to Cain and Abel, at least in word, that here's the proper way, here's the right way to approach God. And there's only one way to do so they taught it to him. How do we know that that happened? Well, God taught Adam and, Eve, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden what was required in order to come to God after mankind had sinned. After Adam and Eve sinned, now that had changed everything. That had changed relationship and exposure to the presence of God. It had changed everything. We know that, right? And, and we can study that back in the previous chapters and so forth. Romans reminds us that this truth, wherefore, As by one man, that's Adam, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. So death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Therefore, it is applicable to every single person. So therefore, Adam and Eve, what they learned in the Garden of Eden, would have been passed on and needed to be passed on to every human being that ever lived. Here's how you approach God now. Sin has separated you and your God. It has come between you. You, can never, you cannot have that relationship that you once had, so something has to, do, uh, to be used to restore it. We have to approach God on the proper terms and the right ways. So what happened there in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned? Well, you look across the page and verse 21 of chapter 3 tells us, right, unto Adam and uh, also unto his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. I think it's one of the most powerful verses in chapter 3. It seems somewhat innocuous it seems that God is just simply taking care of their physical needs he's covering their nakedness and now because they ate of the wrong tree the tree they were told not to their their eyes are open to their nakedness and now they're hiding from God and eh, now he has clothed them but there is much more to that verse than what is on the surface you see in that simple statement you know what took place there had to have been the shedding of blood right now the shedding of blood, these animals, no animal's going to separate with its skin easily, amen? It's not just gonna, you can't do that. That animal had to have been killed, to have been killed. it had to have been uh, sacrificed, it had to have uh, been skinned, and that skin used to clothe Adam and Eve. So here now we see the shedding of blood that God Himself had to do on behalf of mankind, of Adam and Eve, and my goodness, all of us who've grown up in church, we immediately see, and it jumps off the page to us, doesn't it? What do we have? We have a graphic preview of Calvary, doesn't it? When God Almighty allows His Son Jesus Christ to die on the cross of Calvary to shed His blood, so that you and I can be clothed, so that you and I who are ugly with sin and all of our all of our good things are filthy rags, and we need to be clothed, and so we now understand the message is clear and consistent all the way from the garden of eden and what we need to be clothed through faith in the robe of righteousness of jesus christ in order to come into god's presence and that's such a gorgeous beautiful picture because in that moment adam and eve understood wait a second we cannot come back to god we cannot be restored to fellowship we cannot be restored to his presence unless the shedding of blood takes place first and so god did that in the garden of eden and he killed those animals he shed the blood he clothed them with the very skin of those animals And I don't know about you, but boy, I sure am thankful that Jesus Christ died on the cross and now I have his robe of righteousness through faith. So we we can now enter into the presence of God not clothed in our own iniquity, not clothed in our own goodness, but clothed in the very righteousness of Jesus Christ. So Adam and Eve, God would have taught this. He would have shown them. And and I just can imagine, we don't don't have it all, right? Because the Bible would be too heavy to carry around if we had every single detail, right? But I just imagine God was taking that animal. He said, Adam and Eve, watch. This animal has to die because you need clothes now. It's going to shed its blood for you. you this is for you. He, it, it did nothing to deserve this, Adam. Eve, it did nothing to deserve this, but I have to kill it. I have to. It's going to shed its blood for you. And so the illustration would have jumped out at Adam and Eve, and so this would have been something that God says, you need to take your children. And again, another principle, another truth that flows throughout the pages of Scripture, and God makes crystal clear and, uh, time and time again. And so... They, they taught him, this very book of Hebrews, right? We've read it. We've studied it. The Bible here says what? Without the remission or without the shedding of blood, there is what? No remission of sins." There's no remission of sins. It started all the way in the back of the Garden of Eden. It's something Adam and Eve learned. And they passed on to their own children. And do not be amiss tonight. You and I, as we've gathered here in the presence of God Almighty to worship him tonight, my friend. You and I come into his presence the very same way the only way that you and i can get together into his presence tonight the only way you and i can enjoy fellowship with our god in this worship service is we don't come on the merits of ourselves we come on the merits of nothing else but the shed blood of jesus christ as god fellowships with you and i tonight as we as we fellowship with him we learn of him we spend time and Prayer with our God tonight, we only do so on the shed blood of Jesus Christ. It's the only way that we can approach God. You see, the the teaching of worshiping through offerings was clearly given to both sons. We also surmise and understand the teaching of an offering of shed blood being the only way to approach God was clearly taught to both sons. Now it is in their hands. Now it's up to them It's to become personal. It's a personal response. And each one would determine whether their respective offering would be received by God uh, in their response to what they knew and had been taught. So understand, as Cain and Abel come to this point in their life where they're coming to offer an offering to God, they're well aware, they've been taught the lessons, they understand God is not a God of confusion. Do not think for a moment that Cain came in and said, wow, I, I, that wasn't clear. You didn't make it obvious what I needed to bring for a sacrifice, God. You, you didn't spell it out for me. Boy, if you've ever been a teacher, you know you'll always have a student who complains. You never made it clear. I didn't hear that. See, we sometimes look at, at Cain we kind of just start, oh, I don't know. Just, it wasn't very clear. Can I tell you, it was crystal it would have been taught from the moment that Adam and Eve had to leave the Garden of Eden. They would have impressed upon their children, listen, we made a terrible mistake. We all now are sinners. And the reality is that God wants us to worship Him. We can only do so through an offering. And the only way that we can approach God is through the shedding of blood. Because that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. So they were without excuse. Now it's up to them and what do we see play out? Number three, letter C, what do we see play out? Abel, Abel excuse me, approach God in God's way, while Cain approached God in his own way. Now, it's personal. Now, it's action. Now, they've made a decision. They each have come to God and understanding if I'm going to worship God, I'm going to do so through an offering and understanding that what well, God wants a the shed blood, that's the only way that I can approach God to come into His presence. They've understood that, and yet they both have made their decision. You know, it's been said by by some that Cain is the founder of man's first false religion, or the world's first false religion, though I don't like that term, because I think the devil started that in the Garden of Eden. I think he's the founder of man's first false religion. And it's a religion that's been at the heart of every false religion since that time. So you boil down what what Cain did. You kind of look behind the curtain. You kind of pull back the pages a little bit and you understand some things. First of all, you realize that what Cain was doing, he he was promoting and and his way was one of good works of human merit. It was one of good works in human merit. I mean, that according to Cain and his actions, his thinking, being in God's presence, salvation is something that must be worked for. It must be earned. In other words, man has to pay the price in one form or another. Cain offered God the fruit of the earth. He had planted it. He had harvested it. He had offered him the product of his labors, the sweat of his brow, his toil, his, his self-effort. He had, he had come up with this. He had did all of this. And so look, in his mind, I'm approaching God and I've worked hard to be able to bring this offering. And I have done this. And, and I have, you see the problem. In Jude, verse 11, it's condemned, and it's called what? The way of Cain. Those who follow in that way, they'll they'll toil, they'll work hard themselves, and they'll offer God their own uh, goodness, their own works, to approach him. There's a way of his own making. And I think as you look back here in Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to read one more verse from Genesis 4, but do you remember what it described in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 4 about Abel, that he's declared righteous, the opposite is true of Cain, right? It's clear because even in this passage we'll see it, it was not accepted. And so we could say this, this is an important statement, Cain was religious but not righteous. He was religious but not righteous according to that terminology in Hebrews 11 and even to the verse we'll read here in a moment in the passage. Now, can we think about this for a second? Because I think sometimes that uh, we, we maybe sell Cain a little short. Here's what I mean by that. I think and I believe that Cain was very sincere in his approach to God. So let me ask you this. Would you show up to give an offering to God if you did not care about God? Or at least have a thought of, well, this is what I need to do. There was some level of sincerity to Cain. Because why even show up? Why even get the fruit together? Why even put together an offering that you're going to offer God? So there is some level of sincerity. I don't think he was flippant. I don't believe, and I think the scriptures bear this out, he did not take it lightly. I believe he truly believed in his own way of approaching God. And boy, that's dangerous. I, I believe he truly believed in his own way, the way of Cain, as Jude 11 says. I believe he, he believed that. I believe in a sense, now don't miss this because we'll, we'll kind of come back around to this. I believe in a sense he had a form of faith. He had faith. Let me show you why I think this. What was God's response to Cain's offering? Look at verse 5, would you? Look at verse number 5. Verse number 5 of the passage before says this, but unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. He did not give favor to it. Notice the next statement. Cain was very, what's the next word? Okay, that was about 12.5 participation. Let's try this again. Okay, verse number 5, and Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. That's a strong statement. And and God will come along and say, hey, why are you so angry? Why are you so wroth? And we understand that. But I want you to see, what is Cain's response? That was God's response. His offering was not accepted because it was not according to what God had given. It was not according to God's word. And he he comes and he doesn't show respect. He doesn't give favor to it. And now Cain's response is what? Well, in a sense, we could say he's fit to be tied. He's angry. He's angry. And catch the biblical description. His whole demeanor changes. Let me ask you, Mom and Dad, can I ask you a question? What happens when your daughter or your son really wants something and you say no? Their whole demeanor changes. The whole countenance changes. Now, let me ask you this. Is it the same way that if you say no to something they don't really want? No, not at all. That's a a total different demeanor. That's a totally different countenance. Can I tell you, I believe, based upon verse number 5, Cain actually believed in the way that he was approaching God. It's actually something that he wanted. He he was actually into this. He was actually sincere about this in his own mind, in his own heart. Because why else are you going to be wroth? Why else are you going to be angry? Why else is your countenance going to fall? And then you're going to do the things that Cain did afterwards. You see, he's greatly disappointed. You know what? I couldn't help thinking. In modern culture, you know, people look at Cain and they feel sorry for him. You know what he would get in modern culture? He'd get a participation trophy. Thanks for showing up with your offering. It's not right, and you didn't do a good job. And let's you know what you, you, E for effort. Here's your trophy. And the problem with that is, you say, oh, Pastor Henry, why are you, why are you picking on that? Why are you messing up? Because here's the problem. We have brought that mentality into the spiritual realm. And we'll say things like this. Well, you know, they sure are sincere in what they believe but when they believe something that is contrary to scripture it does not matter how sincere you are you are nothing more than sincerely lost and so this mentality of like well man you know look at the poor guy he's disappointed poor poor Cain he's, he's his demeanor his countenance has fallen he really wanted this and we allow that into our religious thinking and it causes people to ignore what is clearly spelled out in the Scriptures. And We say that if someone is simply sincere in how they approach God, then God will accept them. Just a couple of weeks ago, I had someone tell me they didn't see how God um, could not accept them into heaven because of the way they've lived their life. That's exactly what they said to me. They said, Lay, I, you know, I was trying to talk to them about heaven, and if they trusted in Jesus Christ, and, and I, you know, I said, oh, you know, if you died, is God going to accept you into heaven? Well, I don't, I don't see how God could, could not accept me into heaven based on the life that I've lived. I've tried to do good. And I believe that person sincerely believed that, that they had done good. But I'll tell you, that's not what God's Word says. That's not what God instructs. It's not what God's Word commands. And so, as I said before, it's not biblical. You must come to God on God's terms. It does not matter how sincere you are. Don't do it God's way, and you'll be nothing more than sincerely lost. In fact, in verse number 7 of this passage, God says something. Notice what he says. If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over. us. like, what is God saying? Well, here's what he's saying. Here's the major point. God says this is not a sincerity issue. It is a sin issue. It is an issue of disobedience. It is an issue that came. He knew the offerings should be brought to God. He knew that the only way to approach God was to shed blood, as mom and dad learned in the Garden of Eden. And yet he chose to come to God, approach God on his own terms, in his own way. I think he was sincere in it, but sin lieth at the door. You didn't do well, Cain, is what God says. So Cain has made his choice. He's had his offering rejected by God, and then he rejects God and his ways even more so in his actions and killing Abel and so forth. On the antithesis of that, Abel made his decision too. His decision was quite the opposite. He chose obedience. He chose to listen to God's word and what God had instructed through his parents. His parents had passed down, and he he listened and He chose to obey in faith, in faith. That's why we read back here in Hebrews 11, chapter 11, verse 4, that he offered, God called it a more excellent sacrifice. God allowed and directed this to be written to describe Abel's sacrifice, a more excellent sacrifice. His was the right way. He offered the first thing of his flock, a lamb, and had shed its blood in the way that was described. In fact, we would say this: here, here 's the point: His offering was in keeping with the picture of the substitute needed. The sinner approached a holy God on the merit of another, on the merit of another. See, as Cain brought all his fruit, you can imagine what was going through his head. Man, I worked hard for this. I, I toiled in the sun for this. I, I planted this and I harvested it. I, I, I spent hours upon hours, day after day, watering this and getting this fruit. Man, I hope, God, I hope God appreciates this. I hope God accepts this. And I've worked hard. I hope he knows how much I've sacrificed for him. Abel. Abel comes and realizes that he has to give the life of another This lamb has to be the one who dies. This lamb has to be the one who sheds his blood. Abel could not do that. So it fulfills the picture of the substitute that was needed. Something designated by God as excellent because it portrayed Calvary. It was in obedience to the spoken word of God that had been given to Adam and his family. And so now we learn something else. As we correlate Genesis chapter 4 to Hebrews chapter 11 verse 4 and we connect the dots and we see these two stories come together in the, uh, the 2020 vision of looking back on an Old Testament story that the New Testament often provides and our eyes are open to some truths and a, a fourth truth is this. You see at letter D, if the right gift is offered, righteousness is received. If the right gift is offered, righteousness is received. I love, I mean... I love the wording of verse 4. Look at it again. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Now, notice this wording with the rest of the verse. By which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts. And by it, he being dead, yet speaketh. Okay, so the picture is painted for us. Abel and as the first two words say he came to God by faith okay we understand that he came by faith to God he did so believing that God's way was the right and only way and so God bore witness that he was righteous through it see this is the practical and um, the, the practical and permanent value of faith the practical and permanent value of Abel's faith. Now, I want to kind of go somewhere, and I, I don't want to be thought of as we're splitting theological hairs, okay? But I think it's important for us to, to deduce some things from the passage that are critical for the rest of Hebrews, too. I want you to notice this, okay? Um, it's important to note that the Bible is not saying Abel is righteous simply because he has faith, but because his faith is in the right and correct gift offered. See, that's an important thought and statement that comes through this story of Cain and Abel. Cain approaches God. He has faith, but he has faith in his own way. He has faith that his offering that he put together, he worked to produce, will be accepted. Abel comes to God, and he has faith that his sacrifice, because it's exactly what God himself commanded it's what god said should be done he offers that sacrifice come by faith god then as the verse here says and here's why i love the wording it says that god testified of his gifts what does that mean well he testified that his gift was acceptable the gift was the right gift. It was the correct gift. You, you approached me through the one that was designated, prescribed, the prescribed offering. You see, again, there are many people that have faith. There, there are many that even have faith that there is a God. But the reality is that until you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone as the payment for your sin, as the gift, the sacrifice offered freely by Christ, Him, to God for your sin, there is no value to your faith. One of the statements that we hit big time, and again, this is right along the same lines, faith is only as powerful as its object. It's only as good and true as the object of that faith that is really the point here see when it says and i love the passage that god testifying of his gifts yep you got it that was the right one perfect you did exactly what i told mom and dad you brought the right gift the shedding of blood that's it he testified of his gifts and that faith in okay mom and dad said this is the right gift because god told him this and so i'm bringing that he had faith that this was the gift that was necessary to approach god because god himself said it Say, so Pastor Henry, I, I don't know about that. What about, what about some Bible verses? I always like to question myself, right? I always like to challenge myself and throw Bible verses at myself to challenge statements and things, okay? Well, what about Romans chapter five and verse one that says this? Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Doesn't it say we are justified by faith? Sure it does. It most certainly does. But you can't disconnect it From where it says that that faith is placed. Where is that faith placed? What makes that faith uh, that justifies both practically and permanently valuable? Well, the two verses prior. Uh, our, our chapter breaks uh, don't help with this because the end of chapter 4, and verses 24 and 25, says this, but for also us also to whom it shall be imputed, because it's talking about faith being imputed for righteousness, right? Uh, if we believe on him that hath raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who, hath delivered for, uh, who was delivered for our offenses, and notice, notice the statement, and was raised again for our justification justifies with the death and resurrection of jesus christ our faith in that object he clearly states paul does in that passage that our faith must be in the saving justifying work of jesus christ the saving justifying faith of jesus christ i'm not trying to split theological hairs here friend but what i'm simply saying is this faith does not save jesus christ saves but the vehicle and the door that opens us up to that is faith it's faith you see the passage is clear the reality why cain cain had faith but his faith was in the wrong object abel had faith it was in the sacrifice that god had prescribed was the acceptable so here we read in hebrews chapter 11 verse 4 He had the more excellent offering. And how does the verbiage put it? He obtained witness that he was righteous. He was righteous. The sacrifice doing its job, if you could put it that way. Again, Paul made the point clear when he wrote to the church at Galatia. He wrote this in chapter 3 and verse 24. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster. And I like that. He is the schoolmaster that directed us. And guys, what did he do? He brought us to Jesus Christ that we might be justified by faith. See, the law brings us to the point where the only thing we put our faith and trust in for salvation is Jesus Christ. And can I tell you tonight, only Jesus Christ saves. Only Jesus saves. And that faith is placed upon Him. And Jesus Christ is who justifies us. His work on the cross. That's why Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, "What faith is the door by which we access the grace that saves. The reality of that is applied to my account. I gained the robe of righteousness and my sin is paid for on the cross of Calvary. So understand this. Whenever we read in the scriptures and there's several passages that say that we are justified by faith, I would encourage you to always look at the context because you will find not one occurrence is found in the New Testament with it not being in the context of that faith Being in God, in Jesus Christ, who is the crux of his redemption plan. Faith is always in what? The right gift. The right sacrifice. It's all about Jesus Christ. All about what he did on the cross of Calvary. see, having faith in what God prescribed, Abel's response of faith then is what? A lasting testimony. That last statement. By it. He being dead, yet speaketh. It's a powerful statement. There's a testimony of Abel that has lasted now for thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years. Abel is is lifted up as an example of what? Somebody who had faith in the, the proper, the correct, the right offering. Someone who had faith that led to righteousness being applied to his account. It lasted well beyond his death, and it still speaks to the need for worshipful obedience, faith in all of us today. And so we make this simple statement, Abel's story is still preaching today. It still speaks. It still preaches. What is it preaching? What does it tell us? Approach God today by faith in the way which God alone has prescribed. What is the only way that God has prescribed? Jesus Christ said what? I am the... the truth and the life no man cometh unto the father but by me boy you put your faith in that and that's how you gain righteousness how righteousness is imputed to each one of us abel is a great example of someone who keeps preaching what faith is and the reality of faith must be put in jesus christ we'll continue in the days ahead and look at the other uh, examples found within hebrews chapter number 11 cliff you'll bring those prayer requests this way that would be great I ask you to pray for Brother Gary Bloschus. He had his pacemaker replaced today. Everything went well, and the doctor is very pleased and so thankful for that. So pray for Brother Gary's healing. Pray for Brother Bernie Lawson. He's still healing from his surgery. He was able to go back to work today, so he did make it back to work. Thank you for praying to that end that he would, and uh, so encourage you to continue to pray for him, recovery there, and uh, Mrs. Letourneau made it back to school this week a little bit, and so praise the Lord for that. Continue to pray for her and her healing, if you will, too. And uh, some sickness go around, I ask you to pray for sickness and things like that. We have one home sick, and I know there's several others. I have a couple uh, men who are out sick tonight and things like that. So pray for one another, everybody heal up and so forth. And my wife is home watching our sick one. Uh, tomorrow is her birthday. And so if you think about it, send her a text wish her happy birthday she is well south of 50 i am not amen okay so just leave it at that i think she's like 25 but anyway and uh, happy birthday to her let me mention these prayer requests pray for those who are sick but let me mention these too ask you to pray for a friend of uh, jerry judd her name is um, betty kennedy betty kennedy uh, for salvation pray for betty kennedy for salvation betty kennedy for salvation Um, ask you to pray for the sister of laureen judd pam thurlow come to church lord work in her life we prayed uh, we've been praying for her continue to do so pam thurlow um for just lord to work and she'd come out to church if you would and uh I ask you to pray for um, Deacon Lawson and uh, Pastor Tony's son, Deacon. He has a little infection in his toes. Would you just pray that that heals up, that there be no issues with that, and that it healed quickly. I ask you to pray for Deacon Lawson. Lord, just touch and heal his uh, little toe. has an infection. Pray for him. Um, I ask you to pray for the Crooks and Franklin family. And, um uh, Miss, uh, Miss Debbie's aunt, Beverly Williams, passed away over Thanksgiving. That funeral's tomorrow, 1 o'clock, and uh, they're in Clio. And uh, so just pray for that. Tim's conducting the funeral and uh, things there. So just pray that all goes well and uh, pray for comfort for the family. She is in heaven, so rejoicing over that. Praise the Lord for that. But just pray for the Crooks and Franklin family, if you would. Crooks and Franklin family uh, tomorrow during that funeral, especially at 1 o'clock. Um, ask you to pray for R.J. Rodriguez, R.J. a friend and cousin of Cindy Young, um, been sick for three, three months now, has good days, bad days under a doctor's care, and they're doing tests to see what is wrong exactly with him, and so um, just ask you to pray uh, for him not feeling the best, and so they don't know what's going on exactly, so pray for R.J. Rodriguez, friend and cousin of Cindy Young. And Lord, would just guide, direct the doctors as they try to find out what's going on. Um, update on Kristen Dove. She had an appointment, and uh, some good things came from that appointment. Um, they uh, are changing a couple things, trying to do some things. They are, she is, still has an appointment in New York. On December 6th and so they're hoping to maybe get some new things there to possibly try they're talking about maybe doing I believe some radiation right on the tumor and uh, to see if that would help shrink it or, or to at least stop it and so forth so just continue to pray for uh, Kristen Dove um, Jim and Tammy's daughter you know, and just pray for wisdom as they meet with the doctors in the days ahead and be able to find something that would help with that and the Lord just touch and heal her so pray um, Christian Dove as you. I actually pray for Josh Mead. He's in Senegal now and just pray that he stays healthy and safe as he's over there traveling in Senegal and in the Gambia. They're having that meeting down there with the Jenkins and so pray for that 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 will go well and that there'll be no issues and uh, Lord would just bless and I know he's been looking forward to that and I trust it'll be a great meeting down there in the Gambia too. Just pray as he returns to December 20th. You know, Lord, just give him safety and protection. Watch over Josh as he flies back and things there. And so just pray the Lord would look over him if you would. All right, I think that's it, all the prayer requests I have here. And I encourage you to look inside your prayer And As I said, there's a few that have been called in. Some that have been added in the weeks before, and so I encourage you to pray there. We look forward to seeing you back on Sunday. We'll split up in groups one, two, and three, spend some time in prayer, and then quietly slip out and enjoy some fellowship in the foyer. God bless you. Let's go to prayer.